Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. Take your Bibles and go with me to 1 John chapter 5. We are getting very close to wrapping up this series. In fact, we just have two more weeks. Now, this morning we're going to be in verses uh, 6 through 12. Next week we're going to cover verses 13 through 20. And then the last week in 1 John, we're going to look uh, just at one verse, at five, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. So that's what the next three weeks look like. And then we are going to go and spend, a little, uh, spend four or five weeks in the book of Hosea. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited uh, about where we're going. Now, now, this morning is, is going to be real simple, because we're simply talking through the, the gospel message, who Christ is, and, and specifically how we can come to know Christ. Now, I know that, that in a gathering like this, where, where a lot of folks have been in church for a long time, most of us probably have come to know Christ at some point, which is awesome. Don't check out, because this still applies to you. But because the process of being a Christian, of following Christ Jesus, is not just a one-time, well, hey, I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer, I know Christ Jesus, but, but it's, it's a lifetime of surrendering to him, of coming to know him better, just as we, we sang a few minutes ago. So, we're going to talk this morning about how even if you've been a believer for 50 years, you can still be uh, growing in your knowledge of who Christ is, and what he wants to do for your life. Maybe you're here this morning, you've, you've never trusted in Christ as Savior, and you're certainly going to have a chance to do that th- this morning as well. So, 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 12, and if you will stand with me, let's read the word of the Lord together this morning. Uh, we're reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, the, the words are on the screen. Let's read uh, aloud the word of the Lord. Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by water and blood. Not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are in agreement. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater, because it is God's testimony that he has given about his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for the chance to gather together and to open up your word. And I pray this morning you would show us how we can come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe some in the room for the first time this morning. For the rest of us who know Christ Jesus, that, that we would learn how to grow in our relationship and in our knowledge of who Christ is. Speak to us through your word this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So, so we're coming really kind of to the, as we begin walking through John's closing words 
in uh, this letter, and, and next week we'll really kind of hit the climax of where he's, where he's going and, and the whole purpose for his writing the, the book, uh, or the letter. This morning, he, he prefaces all that by simply laying out the gospel, laying out who Christ is and how we can come to know him, how we can come to trust God's word about who Christ is. So the first thing he says, in order to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we must first of all recognize God's testimony about Jesus. We, we have to come to understand something about God's testimony, the, the testimony of Scripture, the, the testimony of the ages concerning who Christ is. We see this in verses 6 through 8. He says, Jesus Christ, he is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. Now, he uses kind of weird language here. What, what on earth is he talking about? Why does he keep harping on there are three that testify, and, and the water, and the blood? Well, in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, we're told that, that any matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Deuteronomy 19.15 It says a fact must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. In other words, if you didn't have at least two or three witnesses, nothing would be admissible in a court of law. And so what John's doing here is he's, he's turning this almost into a courtroom um, type situation where he's saying here's, here's how we know that Christ is who he said he is. Here are the witnesses. And he says we have the water and the blood. Well, that's weird, right? I mean, you, you wouldn't walk into a, to a courtroom and say, well, I have water and I have blood. Here, here are my witnesses. That, that seems kind of odd. So what on earth is he doing? Well, he's pointing back to the life of Christ at events in Christ's life that, that speak to who he is. The first one, he says water refers probably to Jesus' baptism. And at Jesus' baptism, if you remember, this is, this is played out in Matthew chapter but as Jesus is baptized, then, then we're told that um, he went up immediately from the water. And then we're told the heavens opened for him. And that he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming on him. And then there's this voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. So think about what we see here. We, see, we have the Son, Jesus, being baptized by John the Baptist. You have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove. And you have the voice of God, the Father, speaking out, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. We have all three persons of the Trinity here present at Jesus' baptism. And John says that is the first witness, Jesus' baptism. We have this voice of the Father proclaiming, this is my beloved Son, I'm well pleased. The, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming and resting on Jesus declaring that Jesus is this long-awaited Messiah, the one promised from hundreds of years before he was born. Then we have, then he says the blood. What, what on earth is that? Well, that's referring to Jesus' death on the cross, his entire purpose for, for coming to earth, and the whole reason he was born, to take your sin and to take my sin. So we have Jesus at his baptism. We have Jesus on the cross. And both of these events bear witness. And then he says, now we have the Spirit. 
And this is in verse 8. There are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the Spirit here simply refers to the Holy Spirit who now dwells within each and every believer, uh, revealing to us, testifying to us what Jesus, uh, who Jesus is and what he did on our behalf. Now, now most translations, if you, if you look at your footnotes at all, you're going to have some sort of a note uh, somewhere in between verses 7 and 8 in there. And it'll talk about some manuscripts that add, uh, there are three that testify in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one, and there are three who bear witness on earth, or something like that. Now, the reason that's in your footnotes is because that, that phrase makes its way in some later manuscripts of, of the Greek uh, the Greek copies of scripture that we have, but it's not in the, in the first ones. Now, now, what's the problem with that? Is there anything specifically wrong with what it says? No. In fact, we would agree with what that says. There are three that testified, the, the Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, these three are one. That's the doctrine of the Trinity. We, we, we see that affirmed elsewhere in scripture. The, the problem is that was probably added later, and so to, to get a, as true a copy of scripture as we can possibly get, uh, most of the scholars would say that, that doesn't belong in there. Now, now, why does that matter? Well, sometimes you'll read footnotes in your Bible and say, well, why on earth did they take this part out of Scripture? That, that, that's why. They weren't in some of the earliest and best manuscripts that we have. And here's the, here's the point. We don't need that because we see the doctrine of the Trinity elsewhere in Scripture. Like Jesus' baptism, we have clearly the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit all uh, interacting with one another. So what do, what do passages like this help us to do? Why, 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 does he, why did I say we, can, we need, to, need to recognize God's testimony about Jesus? Well, the clearest testimony we have about who Christ is is given to us right here. And what John is simply saying is, listen, God's word about who Christ is is trustworthy. You can rely on what the gospel writers have said. You can rely on these words of Scripture because of what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 4.12. It says, The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. So, so here's the thing. If you want to come to know Christ Jesus, we've got to recognize the truthfulness of God's word. Got to, got to recognize God's testimony about Christ that's given to us right here. And if you still have some questions about, man, how did we get the Bible? Is, is, is the copy that I hold in my hand really reliable? I would encourage you to do some research. I, there's some fantastic resources I can recommend for you that, that will help you come to a clear understanding that, yes, the, the words that are recorded here are reliable for us to understand who Christ is, what he did for us, the, the writings of the apostles of Paul and John and Peter are, are most likely original in, in what they said. Help us come to know who Christ is. But that's not it. So, so you can read the Bible and you can say, hey, I, I believe that this is God's word to me. I believe this is God's holy, perfect word. Um, but, but there's another step that we've got to take. And that's not just to simply recognize God's testimony. That's to receive God's testimony about Christ. Look with me at verses 9 and 10. Here's what I mean by this. If we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that he has given about his son. The one who believes in the son of God has this testimony within himself. 
The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. So, so we can recognize God's testimony about Jesus. Maybe we can even declare that we believe it to be true without taking that extra step and receiving it for ourselves. We have to receive it. We have to accept it as true. We have to trust that what God declares for us in Christ Jesus is in fact true. You have to believe it. Not just, okay, I believe that, I, uh, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, or I'll, I'll stand on the fact that I think this is, this is God's word for me. There's, a, there's a, another step of, okay, what does this do in my life? What, what is it meant to do in my life? And this is what Paul talks about in Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you've got to do something with it, right? You've got to, you've got to receive it. Yes, I, I, I receive this truth that, that Christ died for, uh, died for my sins. And then John 5, 24, Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. Okay, so, so then we, we get to this, uh, this part where it talks about believing in your heart. John or Romans 10, 9, how do I do that? What does it look like to believe in your heart or to believe him who sent me? How, how do we receive God's testimony? You ask great questions. Let me, let, let me explain. I, I, I have a problem. So we've got a stool. Um, it's just a regular stool. So, so if we want to recognize the, God's testimony about Jesus, that would be kind of like standing here looking at this stool and saying, a good-looking stool. I, I believe that, that that stool would hold my weight if, if, I were to, if, I, if I were to put my weight on it. Awesome stool. What, 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 what good has that done me so far? Nothing. When does it become real? It becomes real when I, when I take a step further and put my weight on it. And this is what... Um, 1 John 5.10, our verse before us this morning in the Christian Standard Bible, it says, the one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The King James Version, I love the way that, put, that it puts it. It says, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. All right, so, so it's not just, hey, I recognize that, that, that this stool would hold my weight. There's another step where I actually come to, put, to, to believe on it, to put my weight on it. By the way, I didn't test that beforehand, so that, that, that illustration could have gone very poorly. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, when I, when I sit on it, that's when, I, that's when I'm really putting my faith in this stool. It's the same with Jesus. So look, you can stand from afar and say, yeah, sure, this all sounds great. I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. But there's an, another step when you say, okay, I'm going to put my life on him. I'm going to put my faith on on him. I'm going to take this leap, and if this isn't true, everything else falls apart in my life. It's that kind of faith that will lead you to do crazy things like, well, in some cases, move to Alamogordo, New Mexico. <laughs> or maybe even walk across the street and go strike up a conversation with your neighbor about who Jesus is. Why? Because I believe on him and I believe that his word is 
true. Literally staking my life on Christ Jesus. So listen, if you want to come to know Christ, you've got to recognize, first of all, that God's testimony about him is true. You've got to receive God's testimony about Christ. Believe on him. But that's not all. There's, there's still a third step to this. There's a third part to this. And that is that we need to respond to God's testimony about Christ. Wait a second. Isn't staking my life on him enough? And, and, and yes, that's enough for salvation. But if we want to grow in our knowledge and our understanding of who Christ is and our fellowship with him and with others, there, there's some additional things that we can do in response to what he's already done for us. First one simply, simply is, okay, I'm going I'm to believe this. I'm going to respond in repentance, which is a step of faith. That is putting your life on Christ, putting your life in his hands to repent of sins, to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and be saved. And this is the way Acts 2.38 talks about it. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Step one is repent. We already talked about this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's step one. And repent is a biblical word that simply means turn around. It means I'm going in this direction away from God. I'm going to stop, turn around, and head back towards him. So, so listen, if you're here today and you'd say, I've never turned from sin and trusted in Christ, may today be the day that you say yes. But, but believer, hear this, if you, I don't care if you've been a believer for five minutes or 50 years, if you find yourself out of fellowship with Christ, do you know what step one is? Repent. Because if, if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you're going you're to understand this. We don't live perfectly all the time. Where there are going to be times, many times, where we find ourselves fighting against God's will for our life or running from his will in our life. You want to restore that fellowship? You want to restore the joy? It starts by repenting, saying, I'm no longer going this way. I'm turning. I'm going this way. Step two, we also see right here in Acts 2.38, and that is that we respond in baptism. It says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We've already talked about Jesus' baptism. And so we need to ask, well, why was Jesus baptized? Obviously, the Bible teaches that Jesus was sinless, so he was not baptized to cleanse him from his sins. He was baptized, um, first of all, he was identifying with John the Baptist's ministry. And his ministry, if you remember, was really simple. He had like one message that he just preached hundreds of times over, and that was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, everywhere he went, he was just screaming, repent, repent. He wasn't real popular, by the way. Uh, he, you, don't win, you don't win a whole lot of, a whole lot of friends uh, anytime you see them. Well, how are you today? Oh, you need to repent. All right. No. <laughs> so I'm not advocating that's the way you handle all your friendships, by the way. Uh, but, but that was his message. Repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Jesus was baptized by John as a way of identifying with his ministry, saying, yes, I agree that people need to repent because the kingdom of God's at hand. And oh, by the way, here I am. 
I'm agreeing with John's testimony about myself is, is what Jesus was saying when he was baptized. But also there was a second reason, and that is to set the example for us so that now we identify as followers of Christ when we're baptized. It's not a work for salvation. It's a symbol of salvation. I, I, I'm a follower of Christ, so I'm going to identify with his death, with his burial, with his resurrection. And baptism says, I want to be known as a follower of Christ Jesus. I want to be known as someone who says yes to Christ. My old self, that, that old person I was before I repented of sins and, and trusted in Christ, that person doesn't exist anymore. He's gone. Now I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I want to live that way. And as a testimony to this church, I'm asking you to help me in my walk with Christ. Encourage me as I seek to follow after Christ. That, that's, all that, that's all that baptism is. I, I, I've never understood why there's so much um, controversy over asking folks to, to be baptized. Because, you know, when I got married, Michelle didn't have to force me to put on my wedding ring. Right? She, the, the, there was no, I mean, every day it's not been, well, are you going to wear your ring today? Why, why don't you want to wear your ring? Why, why would you fight about wedding, wearing your wedding ring? No, I wear it proudly. Because I still can't believe that, that she said yes to, to me. And, and, and I wake up and oh, okay, nope, still real. All right, good. <laughs> so it should be the same for us as followers of Christ. Listen, this is the example that Christ set for us. This is what he calls us to, to identify ourselves as followers of Christ. So why would we fight against that if we want to follow after him? So maybe you're here today and you say, okay, I, I know I'm a follower of Christ. I, I know I've said yes to him, but I've never taken this step of obedience and baptism. And if that's you today, man, I would love to visit with you in just a moment and share with you kind of what baptism looks like here at First Baptist Church and invite you to identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Be identified as a follower of Christ through this symbol of baptism. But that's not all. There's one more. And so, so we respond through repentance. We respond through baptism. And finally, one of our responses as a follower of Christ is we respond with church membership. Now, if you're looking at Acts 2.38, you may say, hold up, that's not in there. And you're right. It's not. You're not going to find the, the, the phrase church membership in the New Testament. So why on earth do we do it? It's, it's a way of identifying with a local body of believers and saying, these are the people with whom I want to pursue Christ together. Not, not looking for a perfect body, because listen, if you are looking for a perfect body of believers, you are going to be very frustrated in your search for a church. In fact, Charles Spurgeon actually went so far as to say, if you ever find a perfect church, you should stay far away because you'll ruin it. All right? <laughs> That's Spurgeon's words, not mine. All right? <laughs> but, but, but it's true, right? Listen, if, you ever, if, if I was to ever find a perfect church, I'm not going anywhere near it, because I'm going to blow it up the moment that I walk in the door. No, so, so a local body is not, not a, pe a group of perfect people. It's, it's a group of imperfect people who are pursuing a perfect Savior. We want, as followers of Christ, we want to be around other followers of Christ and what Paul calls the body of Christ. And there's no clearer place that that happens than in a local church. Gathering with other believers, gathering with the same people week in and week out to worship, to fellowship, to encourage one another, to study scripture together. And church member simply says, these are the people 
I want to pursue Christ with. These are the people I want to worship with. These, these are the people I want to fellowship with each week. These are the people who I want to come alongside me and help me look more like Jesus day in and day out. And as individual members of the body of Christ, we function most effectively when we're connected to the rest of the body. And that, that happens in a local church. Um, you know, Rick Warren says that if you, if you take one of the members of your body and you sever it, so, so imagine your hand, you, you, you sever your hand, you, you don't get thing from the Adams family just running around like, like an autonomous hand. That's not the way it works. The first thing that's going to happen is it's going to cease to function properly, right? Now, now, now it might kind of flop around and show some signs of life for a little bit, but, but that's going to be short-lived. It's going to cease to function. And the second thing that's going to happen is it's going to shrivel up and die quickly. Because our individual members can't function apart from being connected to the rest of the body. And listen, it's the same way in your spiritual life. We weren't designed to operate in isolation from the rest of the body of Christ. Well, the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, you're right. Come join us. You'll fit right in. <laughs> well, those people rub me the wrong way, yeah? Probably do at times. But you know what? Sometimes that rubbing the wrong way helps to knock off some rough edges. So just like the process of a piece of coal being refined into, into a diamond or a piece of iron that goes through the fire to, to be shaped and molded by, by, by the blacksmith, just like that's not an easy process. Sometimes it's violent. And, and, and so sometimes as we rub each other the wrong way, we're fashioning each other into the image of Christ bit by bit. How did Paul, or how does Proverbs put it? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. How? As they rub on each other. Sometimes you get friction, right? When, when, when you start rubbing two pieces of metal together, you're going to get friction. But what happens? Eventually that becomes shaped like the, like the designer wants it. So our call today is real simple. First of all, if you've, if you've never taken that first step to, to say uh, no to sin, turn from sin and trust in Christ, to, that, that's the first call. Make today the day that you say yes to Christ. You stop running, turn from sin, trust in Christ. Uh, secondly, if you've not already done so, maybe today's the day you say, hey, I need, to, I need to be baptized. I need to take that step of obedience and trust in Christ. Maybe today it's as simple as saying, hey, you know what, I've been an attender here for a while. But, but these are the folks that as long as I'm here in Alamogordo, these are the folks I want to pursue Christ with. Listen, I, I don't care if you're here for two months or 20 years. Plug in. Make this your church. Say, these are the people I want to pursue Christ with as long as the Lord or Uncle Sam has me in Alamogordo. Just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a, a closing song. And however the Lord's leading, you come and I'd love to pray with you and visit with you. Maybe you'd just like to set up an appointment to come visit a little bit more about what, what membership at First Baptist Church looks like. I'd love to have that conversation with you over the next couple of weeks. Grab a cup of coffee and, 
and tell you all about FBC. However the Lord's leading, you respond as we move into our time of invitation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, the great passage that we have before us showing us how we can know Christ Jesus. And for those in the room that have never taken that step, may today be the day that they turn from sin and trust in the sacrifice that you made available through your son. May today be the day they step from death to life. Maybe for some in the room who've been followers of Christ for a long time, today's the day they stop running. Today's the day we say, I'm, I'm done trying to live my own way and claim to be a follower of Christ. And, and today I'm surrendering all over again. For those who need to take that first step of obedience that you call us to as followers of Christ to identify with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, may today be the day they say, yes, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to take that step and proclaim proudly to the world that I'm a follower of Christ. Will you give them the courage to do that? Maybe there's some you're, you're prodding to, to seek out what membership looks like here at First Baptist Church and they just need to come and have a, have a conversation. Join their lives to the, to the people here that are pursuing you as First Baptist Church. How, however, wherever we are this morning, touch our hearts, speak to us. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.